Hello, hello, hello. What's up, y'all? It's been a long time, but we're super excited to be here with you. Welcome. Welcome to Seven Generations Hello, hello, hello. What's up, y'all? It's been a long time, but we're super excited to be here with you. Welcome. Welcome to Seven Generations Hello, hello, hello. Who has me on repeat? Who likes to hear my voice? Super excited to be here with you. Ta da! <laughs> this is how you come back in season two. We come back hard, we come back strong. Welcome, 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 you guys. Welcome to Seven Generations Black. The podcast power to equip and inform you, clear your lens, and present a new perspective with Theo E.J. Wilson, a soul, lethal, Jice Johnson, and of course, I'm your host, Shay J, and we are Seven Generations Black. Do me a favor, share this out right now on your stream. Start a watch party, like it, engage. We want to make sure you're supporting independent Black media, and if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. So go ahead, share this out on your network, and then go over to our YouTube, CTN Media. We're changing the narrative, but we're doing it with you. We thank you guys for tuning in. Season two, it's been a ride, but we are here. Today's conversation is going to get real. So you should go ahead and share this out on your network right now. <laughs> Just go ahead and share it out, share it out, share it out. You know, as we think about African-Americans and, and the plight and the things that we're going through right now, we have to be honest. African-Americans have always been a vibrant part of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, same-loving community, the LGBTQ community. Um, when we think about their contribution from Bayard Rustin, best known for his activism with Martin Luther King, James Baldwin, one of the greatest playwrights, of course, and of course, Lorraine Hansberry from A Raisin of the Sun, we know that they've contributed time after time after time. But now we need to talk about what that contribution looks like right now. We know they have shaped history and they continue to shape history. So today we're gonna to talk about the role of the black LGBTQ community in black liberation. It's gonna get real. Share this out on your network and let me hit you with our red pill alert because that's how real it may just get. Now this, this is your last chance. After this, there's no turning around. This is your opportunity to stop listening and tune out now. If you do, well, the story ends. And you go back and think whatever you want to think. But if you stay with us, you take a ride on a liberating discussion, a liberatory discussion, right here on Seven Generations. And we'll show you just how deep that rabbit hole goes. But as always, the choice is yours. Welcome to Seven Generations Black. I want to get to introduce my amazing panel. We're going to have Theo E.J. Wilson shop live. What up, Theo? What's up? What's up? My guy, Lethal of the Honorable Protector Initiative with the t-shirt swag game on point. <laughs> he always has a shirt for you guys. He kills the game with shirts. <laughs> my guy, none other than H-So, the Righteous Wage Institute. My partner, Jice Johnson of the Black Business Initiative. And of course, we are CTN Media, changing the narrative. As we get in this conversation, I want to make sure you guys are sharing this out on your network. Like, share, engage, support independent Black media. Thank you for tuning in to season two 
of seven generations black. Um, you know, as I'm thinking about this, I know I'm looking into the LGBT community and what it means being African-American and being in that community. They make up more than 1 million in our current United States. That's about 4% of the African-American culture. So we know there's no denying their power, there's no denying their involvement, but we have to talk about what it looks like in this fight of black liberation. So I just wanna kick off the conversation with you. So what is, first of all, what is black liberation? What does that mean to us? What is that? And what is the role of the LGBT community in black liberation? Let's talk about it. So I think to talk about what black liberation is, you would, if you asked 100, or a thousand or 30 million people, you may get 30 million different responses to, to the answer to that question. So I won't presume to seek to answer that question as far as what liberation is for, for black people. I can only share my vision uh, of what liberation would be for, for myself and for my family and my children. It's I think it could be boiled down to self-determination, mm. the ability to self-determine all aspects of my life and of my children's lives and of my partner's lives and of my extended family's lives. And uh, I, I, the second part of that would of course encompass, your, your second question is where, where does the LGBTQ, the black LGBTQ community come into that I think that's a, uh, I, I think for far too long, that's been an auxiliary point instead of a central focus for us as, as a black community. I think that it's dealt that way in the black community because the black community is dealing with, especially the men are dealing with uh, deep homophobia that um, is rooted in slave culture and slave mentality uh, mm -hmm. and Christianity. Uh, if I'm if I'm just going to just lay out a full indictment, uh, and, and that we have to transform that uh, in such a way that it incorporates the least among us. I said there was a hashtag that that we started about two months ago. When we had this conversation that says all of us are none, and I think that's mm -hmm. a very important conversation and a very important perspective that we hold, even as we have this conversation is that for too long, many of us think that uh, even within the black community, those that are oppressed think that only a certain group of people should enjoy a certain set of rights, uh, whether that be based upon economics, whether that be based upon gender, whether that be based upon some other artificial uh, construct that doesn't take into account uh, the most uh, uh, marginalized amongst us, which of course is black uh, trans women. Mm, that's good. And, and I think, you, you know, you're hitting on something key because I think a lot of the times when we're talking about police brutality um, and we're talking about the things that are happening right in our community, a lot of it happens um, in the LGBT community, but we don't talk about that. Oh, we love that. Love. My mom. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, you're good, girl. Hi, mom. generation's back. That's what it's about. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yes. hey. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. This is what it's about. And family, I see you guys tuning in. Share this out on your network because it is a family affair. And I think too many times we're afraid to have the hard conversations and we're afraid of having different perspectives. 
And so this is a space where you're going to hear a whole bunch of different perspectives and feel free to take what works for you and then add value, comment, let us know what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Um, Theo, I want to go over to you and, and as what uh, Soul is saying, so many times we don't have this conversation and so many times when it gets to the, the queer woman that's hurt, you know, the LGBT community that's going through things, we don't talk about that when it's police brutality towards them, we don't. What is that? Why is that? You know, what, what do you think? I think that whenever you have a heterosexist patriarchal society, anything outside of heterosexuals is going to be relegated to the margins, even if you're a black community. We've been Christian for most, if not all of our time here in, uh, in bondage and in our fight for liberation. And we can't help but in inherit some of that mentality. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that when you look at the contributions of the LGBT community, you really don't know how large they are because you don't really know how many people were closeted while contributing. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And so uh, it's only been, I guess, safe to be open about it within the last 30 years and safe as relative depending on if you're the victim of a hate crime. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because that's still happening today. So I think that we as a black community have grappled, especially black men, uh, with our idea of masculinity and what it means to have inherited uh, the the trauma of the buck breaking, you know, what it means to have inherited the trauma of uh, being used as sexual objects, and then, and then having to find space for if your son or if you found out your dad or somebody else like that who you thought was embodiment of the masculine ideal turns out to be gay, you know what I'm saying? And so um, we've had to fight through a lot of the same head trash as white people have had to fight through. And um, through our trauma, it got intensified. But mm. I think now it's pretty much clear that black folks, no matter what orientation, are not goddamn expendable. Yeah. I don't believe in expendable Africans. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Not in the global fight against white supremacy. So we better figure out a way to love on these folks. And, um, and figure out how to have the hard conversations, you know what I mean? Man, I, there's so many things I, I'm feeling right now and I, and I see a lot of people commenting because it is, it's a sensitive subject and I think it's been left out of main tables but they've been sitting at tables making decisions for us and they've been a part of a lot of things and we don't really talk about that. Um, Lethal, when, I, when I'm looking at what Theo's saying, um, we have to find a way to love on them and we have to find a way to have these, these conversations. Does love mean accepting and putting them um, in this fight and saying we're brothers and sisters in this fight. What does that look like for you, Lethal? What, what does that feel like? L loving on the LGBT community and bringing them a part of this fight, how does that look? When you think of their role, what does that role look like for you? LGBTQ community or black? The black. Yeah, everything community. here is black, sorry. The black. <laughs> <laughs> everything black. Okay. okay. That's, that's real, that's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they're black. Yeah. And that's all I care about. Mm. They're black. Yeah. That's all I care about. Mm. I'm going to say it one more time. Say it for the black. Back. And that's all I care about. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter um, what your sexual orientation, sexual preference, gender idea. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. You're black. Well, you walk outside. You mean that in what sense? So, Here's the here's the challenge with 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 that, and I'm gonna just push back on that just a little bit. Push back on what? What? What are you pushing back on? I'm pushing back on saying that just because they're black, then that just means. So this is what this is 
what I mean by that. What I'm saying is that when uh when you greet women, you greet women and you say, how you doing black queen, right? So it's not just that they're black, it's that they're black and female. So their femaleness gets to be a part of how you address them and how they come into the fold. So if they're black and gay, they shouldn't just be seen as black. I'm glad that that's what you care about. And I'm not saying that that's all you care about. What I'm saying is that yeah. the fact that they're gay matters. That's a part of their identity that should okay. be incorporated into your fully acceptance of them. And, and yes, that's what I, and I'll let that, man, I'll give you a chance to respond. Yeah, to yeah, please do, please Thank do. Listen, listen, listen. Again, what determines whether or not I'm going to fight for someone, right? First and foremost, is those individuals who look like me. Okay. What they do in other aspects of their life ain't got nothing to do with me. I don't, I don't care about that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm speaking for lethal. You understand know what I'm saying? I don't care about that. What I care about is you look like me and I love me. And when I see you, I see me. And when you see me, I hope you see you. You understand know what I'm saying? That's all I care about. Yeah, I hear you. Right. I don't get into hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out. I don't get into all that, all that other stuff, right? Because I don't walk around, right, professing to the world that, oh, I'm a heterosexual man. So you must love me and treat me accordingly because I'm a heterosexual man. No, you will love me and treat me accordingly because I am black. Period. So to to sister's point, however. Would you agree that there is a marginalization of these particular black folks that would then require that we pay particular attention to their specific issues, just like we would pay particular attention to, let's say, black women's issues or black children's issues or blase skipping? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what you're talking about now is you're talking about the overarching umbrella of blackness and then the subset issues associated with being black. Right. Not just from the social perspective, not just from economic, not just from religious, not just from uh, uh, political or whatever the case, educational, spiritual, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're, just, you're talking about breaking down the subcategories. Yeah, there's always time and always room and all that should be addressed 100%. There's no doubt about that in my mind ever. You understand what I'm saying? But however, I am of the opinion and perspective that the infighting that we have made public, right? That we have taken and put out on front street for our adversary, our enemy, long-term, long-time enemy, long-term, long-time adversary to see and capitalize on, right? You, it's easy to conquer if you can keep divided. What infighting are you are you talking? Are you? Talk I'm talking about? about so so. There's this uh. This is proverb, right? That I wanna, I wanna uh, put it out there right now. We love these. We I love your proverbs. Thank, love your thank, proverbs. You, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I wanna put it out there right now before I go too far, right? Uh, did I did I put it down? I'll come back to it. But basically, what it's talking about is, you know, as a family, you know, you don't get to uh, resolution of your issues by taking it to the square and having a conversation about it. You understand what I'm saying? And that goes for that whole, you know, the black man vice versus the black woman and, 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 and the feminists and all of that. Listen, listen, at the end of the day, the bottom line is, do we as a community, as a race of people have a problem internally? Yes, we do. 
Do we need to address, solve, and fix our problems as people? Yes, we do. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But we cannot underestimate or devalue uh, uh, what it means to deal with that shit in house. I don't need. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, bro. I don't need. I don't need no fucking politician on Capitol Hill telling me how to love and treat my own people. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't need them going out there and, and getting involved in our internal business. We should be intelligent enough. We should be caring enough. We should be loving enough to do that on our own. You understand what I'm saying? Are we we bring, good, because and because there's point. never been a time where we allowed them to come into our shit and our shit didn't get more fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and I think we can all agree on that, that we have you know, there's a lot of infight and there's a lot of things that we need to be having a conversation as a community before it gets to life or death situations. Because we wait until we get in places like this and then we're like, oh, wait, wait, you are a part of us. I forgot you are on our team. I'm even looking at it, you know, I, I want to look at two guys for a minute before, you know, we really dig in. But even on an economic standpoint, and, you know, this is our economic groove. So when we look at the economic, stop making that face. <laughs> when we look at the economic fight <laughs> that our LGBTQ community is going through, 34% of them are living in extreme poverty compared to the 9% of non-transgender black people. That is a real 34%. So that is real discrimination. That is a persistent lack of quality of affordable health care, education opportunities, all these things. That's right. And we're talking about we're fighting for generational wealth. That's one thing seven generation is about. We're fighting for generational wealth. What does that look like economically? I mean, how do you even rationalize this? Or, you know, we have to talk about things like this. Um, I, so I don't have an answer off the top of my head as to what that looks like economically. <laughs> That's probably a question I would have to be prepared for. I mean, ultimately, the question is, are they marginalized? Absolutely. Right. And and um, so, yeah, so the marginalization is there. Um, I think that. The, see, it's hard for me because I really feel like we get so splintered into all the different causes, right? And so there's this idea that, you know, um, and, and I'm of this, I'm of this thought process, right? But it's like, there's this idea that the rising tide lifts all boats. So kind of the concept is who is the most marginalized of us all? And if we can, you know, help them, then we lift everyone up, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that we can get really, really splintered in the black community when the reality of it is the entire black community is marginalized. And so, you know, I feel like I feel like I try to stay in my lane, which is which is economics. Right. Um, and it's business building and it's intergenerational wealth. And so there's something that needs to be addressed in that space as an additional layer. Um, and I think it gets to be really difficult as to try and figure out how to or where to focus on those things because that phenomenon, I would argue, and, and I don't have the statistics, so then correct me if I'm wrong, but I would argue that that phenomenon probably happens in the white community. I would argue that the white transgender people are probably also experiencing a disparity between, um, you know, the mm. heterosexual 
you know, white yeah. folks than everyone else, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I and and this is where then to me, like, there's a broader conversation about humanity, but not yeah. just humanity. There's a broader conversation about nature in general. And so, when we are talking about a small fraction or a small percentage of the population, I think we'll find in a lot of different areas and species and nature and so on and so forth that when you have a small subsector, that oftentimes that small subsector can get pushed outside side of the norm. And I think sometimes we forget that our elevated consciousness, you know, um, which gives us the ability to fix that as an issue. But I yeah. think by nature, we forget that uh, that we are still of, you know, of, of mother nature and mother nature tends to push out things that are marginalized. And so I think, you know, what's what's, what's not marginalized is black people. In terms of what we look like on this population, that's not a natural marginalization, right? That is a systematic marginalization because we are the bigger population. So the fact that we are marginalized is by design. Whereas when you have a small subsector of a population, that's not necessarily uh, that's not necessarily a, an automatic systematic thing. So then, as a, as a human. As our consciousness allows us to fix that, then it becomes marginalized. I don't know if I'm making sense what I'm I trying to say. I see where you are, know, but I see my guy's face. And I see the, the yeah. I, did, I did see Angel's face. I see yeah, Angel's face. I want to hit you. What, what, what was that face? Because I feel like you have something for us in that. So moment. the argument that Le both Lethal and Jax are making is the same argument that white people make with All Lives Matter, except they're just doing it with Black Lives Matter. Meaning that. <laughs> they are making the marginalized amongst us. The marginalized amongst us, when it comes to homosexuality, is just natural selection doing that. But when it comes to black people who's also marginalized, then that's sociologically set up. But you argument off by saying giving actual statistics to that every single economic indicator that we could begin to point at, which is man-made by the way, transgender people are at the bottom of it. And so this all black lives matter, I don't care what it is that you're doing, all black lives matter, doesn't take into consideration the specificity of which transgender people are marginalized to us. And let me tell you why this matters. And this does not matter because I'm a down low brother or because I get in dresses and high heels. If I if I was either one of those things, I would claim it for those people who know me, but I'm not, I'm a, I'm a heterosexual male. Let me tell you why this matters. This okay. matters, and, and Lethal will probably be able to appreciate this, this analogy. This matters because there's a book called 2000 Seasons. Seasons, they talk about there's a there's a group of African people that are, are 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 moving across the continent because they're running away from their enemy. Mm -hmm. It is the weakest amongst that tribe that the warriors inside of that tribe are tasked with protecting because they understand that the most marginalized, the most vulnerable that the whole tribe is only as strong as its weakest link. Yeah. So unless we specifically go in and address the way that black transgender women are treated in the black community, unless we get specific about it, not just because we care that they're black, but because we care 
that they're dealing with a specific issue when it comes to the police, when it comes to health care, when it comes to economics, any indicator, pick and choose, they're at the very bottom. So we as black people from a strategic position should be identifying what that is and if we protect these people that everybody else in our tribe is protected. And until we do that, mm. we are only going to be protecting those that uh, W.B. Du Bois would have called the talented 10. And so that's a different tribe. That's just the strongest, the ones that can move the fastest. That is not all of us. So that's why we say- oh, I don't disagree with you on that, H. I don't disagree with you on that, H. I don't disagree with you on that, right? What I disagree with, and I'm gonna say this again, is taking our shit to the fucking white man for them to get involved in our shit. Fuck them. I agree. So are you accusing black transgender people of doing that? Say what? No, 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 no. I'm asking him specifically. If I, I understand that, but why are you? What does that matter in this in this particular? What it matters argument? is this, right? What it matters is this, right? You can easily get any politician, right, who's looking to score some points. You understand what I'm saying? Especially in an election year to come mm -hmm. on and jump on that bandwagon. You understand what I'm saying? And, and act like they want to champion the cause, champion the mission, champion the fight when it should be fucking us. Ourselves champion that transgender people have done that? Black transgender people have done that? Is that no. what I'm saying? That's, you're okay. missing my point completely. No, I'm not missing, missing my point completely. Sure what I'm saying, what I'm saying what is I have no issue and no problem with what you're saying. What I am saying, though, is that we need to make sure that we deal with this in-house, 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 in-house. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Because well, the more, the more we, well, the more- the black community's fault, because when we don't make space for our that community to have voice within our circles, when we call them fags and sissies and every other kind of name, then you can expect them to run to our enemy. That's on us. Unless we make space for our people. I don't, I don't disagree with you on that. I don't disagree with you on that. I don't disagree with you on that. I don't, I do not disagree with you on that. Yeah. But however, we're going to get to the root of this shit and you hit right. it on the head when you open your comments talking about religion. Cause that's where that shit was born at. Mm. So when we talk about getting to the root of this, and what I hear us saying a lot is that, we know as seven generations black and those of you tuning in do me a favor share this out on your network i know the conversation's heated we did a we did a red pill alert so you took the red pill <laughs> alert alert share this on your network though let's make sure we support independent black media we appreciate you changing the narrative with us but when I, I what i hear across the board is that we know that this is leverage for the enemy yeah period yeah. it's leverage when oh, no. we start separating when we start going to silos it's leverage how do we change this how do we change the trajectory of this? What do we do? Great. We're black, we're tuning in the black. We have the power right now. What do we do? I think um, one of the first things to do is acknowledge that the, our LGBTQ brethren and sisterin and otherin, because there's the non-gender uh, binary words, uh, have always been with us. Mm. They've always been with us. There was a narrative in the Afrocentric community there was no homosexuality in Africa until colonization. Still there. Yeah, and, 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 and that's a false narrative, which means that there is an indigenous context that we can like literally call back to, to figure out how to contextualize our LGBTQ brethren. Uh, the Book of Water and Spirit by Maladoma Patrice Somme talks about the two-spirited um, 
uh, magicians in his tribe. And they were considered to be more powerful because they had both male and female energy. Uh, there's been tribal context for the, for the longest time on, um, on how to healthily incorporate our LGBTQ brother and sister. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to look and dismantle the, wind, the lens of white supremacy that has been put on our eyes to view them with. We have to dismantle the, colon, the colonized view of our brothers and sisters like this and call back to our ancestral view of them and figure out the helpful ways that our ancestors put our brothers and sisters like that into context, you feel me? And so mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean othering them or making them even elevated in a weird sense, even though that would be a lot better than subjugated. But it means that um, when we talk about how to rebuild the black family, they've always been a part of it. When we talk about where we need to go in terms of moving forward, they've always been with us in that push. And so when we break the lens that has been put on our eyes toward the LGBTQIA community that has been put on our eyes by white supremacy, by colonization, by slavery, and call back to how our ancestors contextualized them, then we'll have a better root understanding of uh, even like what the issue actually is. You see what I'm saying? So I think that's one of the ways that's a tactic that we could use to read about pre-colonial uh, homosexuality on, on, on the continent and how that was like dealt with and contextualized through the systems and the societies that we built. Whew. Well, Thea, you have a plan. <laughs> you have a plan. I see you guys, thank you so much for that. Um, we have a lot of people tuning in saying, thank you for this conversation, it has to happen. And it's a conversation like Lethal has said time and time, it has to happen right here in our community. Um, as we start to think about what it looks like with the disagreements and the hate culture that goes along with this, there is a hate culture that's been built and we have to be honest about that. And I think a lot of us hit it on the head with religion is where it started. And you know, we're all about that mind shift and un unlearning to relearn. What does that mind shift, shift look like? Because religion is still being practiced. Um, we know we have now, we have Christians that do have gay pastors that are leading. And there's these different things that are happening in religion, but it has built a hate. What, what does that look like to start really digging into that? Because you know how black people feel about religion, y'all. You know listen, how they feel. Listen, listen, Here, here's what it boils down to, right? Here's what it boils down to. This is how I make it real simple for me in my life, right? With regards to the role that anybody's going to play in my life, right? Theo has this background in, in, in being this artist and this philosopher. That's his role. I defer to that. Jice has this, this, this background in economics. That's her role defer to that i don't give a shit what your 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 other what, what your skill set is that's what your role is in our liberational movement mm. what your skill set is is what your role is in the liberational movement and whoever has a fucking problem with that they're a traitor to the liberational movement Woo. Yeah, I think. Okay. I felt that. I felt that thing. Yeah, I would say that the religious aspect, you know, seems to be the major. I mean, it really does seem to be like a huge piece of it, right? And so, um, 
probably not the not a huge piece. Probably is the linchpin of it all because, quite frankly, the religious piece in a lot of cases really push us to uh, towards a place of hatred and towards a place of um, separation and divisiveness and things of that sort in a lot of different areas, not just this one, right? And so I think that's part of that that religious narrative because what you tend to find are the people who I think kind of embody a good place, you know, the space where we are, you know, which is, I don't care what you're doing, you know, what are you adding to the conversation, right? We're all black first and, and, you know, and then however you, however you begin to look at it. And I don't, and I'm not saying however to like pass it off. I'm saying that there are multiple views, even in this circle, but what we all agree in this circle is that your sexual orientation doesn't stop any of us from loving you, respecting you, um, uplifting you or any of those things, right? And I think that once you begin to make that separation and begin to decolonize your your mind, that's where you begin to see a different level, level of how you treat people with respect for their humanness, mm-hmm. period. Right. And so, uh, you know, I don't I don't see that often in the church. And maybe that's a whole nother conversation to have is that in the church, you know, and, and, and there are some churches that are really trying to evolve as people have begun to pull away from the church. But the more that people have risen to a greater level of consciousness and who they are and have accepted who they are and have fought to be accepted for who they are, you've seen a greater separation away from the church because the church is really just not that accepting of who people are. Well, it boils down to the economics, right? Because mm-hmm. as as Brother Theo said before, right? Anytime the capitalism is a part of the equation, you cannot rule out corruption and or conspiracy. You understand what I'm saying? And let's not bullshit and jive and shuck with this, you know what I'm saying, situation, right? The church is about making money. I ain't trying to hear what nobody else say. Because I done been to many a black church in my life and whatnot. I'm damn near 50 years old in a couple of months. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I ain't never been to a black church that didn't have a building fund going on forever. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I'm just keeping it 100, right? But I think that when we when we start talking about you know religion, I think we need to draw a line, right? And 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 talk about the influence of religion as shoved down our throats as a result or linchpin or pillar of violent white uh, extremism. I'm not calling them fucking supremacy because they ain't supreme to me. They're just violent and they're extreme. You understand what I'm saying? And they have been allowed, right, to compete economically in a way that we have been denied being able to compete. You understand what I'm saying? And so a part of that indoctrination, a part of that training was to take, you know, the Bible of the slaves, you can right here in DC, is, is, is the Bible Museum, and they have the slave Bible right here. You can go read it for yourself. If you, if you doubt it, you can look up online and read it for yourself. And what you will see is, you know, certain scriptures that was used to subjugate us. You understand what I'm saying? Now, we'd be foolish to think that that type of, 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 of training and, and teaching and indoctrination that lasted for generations upon generations, I think about 20 of them, you, know, you understand what I'm saying, hasn't had some sort of legacy impact on us today. Because it has, yeah. right? And I think that when, when Jice, you mentioned how that, you know, the, some of the black churches now are starting to change and, and, and be more open and so forth and so on, you're damn right they are because of money. <laughs> right on. Right, right on. Oh, there it is. You need that game, don't you? You need the game dollar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they want that money, bro. 
They want that money. In America, the only color that really matters is green. <laughs> you guys see that face. Please do me a favor. Go over to CTM Media on YouTube. Follow us. We're actually here every Tuesday doing this conversation, 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And we're doing it for the culture. We have these conversations because we know that our community will be better if we start having the hard conversations at our table, our own kitchen table, not at their table. Um, so make sure you're supporting independent black media. As we as we look into this, you know, and I, I want to ask this question because I, I think it's important. And this has been the black thing that I've heard over and over again is that it is being pushed onto our kids. It's being pushed into our community to now identify with being LGBTQ. It's being pushed. Um, now we're talking about trans, um, you know, every for all restrooms, and we're, we're looking at different things that are happening. And so the conversation is saying, is this being pushed, and now we're accepting it and making the norm, making it the norm. Or is it something that we've always been a part of and now we're just seeing it more, you know, or, or are we letting them push something on and we're taking ownership of something that wasn't for us? What are you guys, anybody can answer that. What do you say when, when people are looking and saying this is being pushed upon us by the white man? What, what is your response to that? I think the appropriate response is, number one, these folks who we call LGBTQIA are pushing for their own survival. You know what I'm saying? That's the first thing that, that that's actually getting pushed. Um, if anything comes from white supremacist culture, it's going to have the air in, 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 in ebb and flow and nature of white supremacy. So if, uh, and this is something that's been told to me by black LGBTQ members, right? They don't really fuck with the white LGBTQs like that on certain areas. Mm -hmm. They don't fuck with them like that because um, they told me about a term called gaysism. And what gayism was, was uh, like on gay dating apps, they would say that like, like these white boys would like specifically discriminate against them and shit like that. There's been like, so our LGBTQ brethren who are black and sisters who are black uh, and our gender identify who are black have encountered racism within their own communities. You feel me? And so they're dealing with it. So what they tell me is that there is a separation between these two, right? There's a separation between how like white men act when they are trans and they uh, and they become transgender women versus like a, a black trans woman, you know what I'm saying? Like they got a whole different ethos about them. And I've heard LGBTQ folks tell me that like, I, like, I got a lesbian sister that told me that like a white LGBT, like a, a white trans woman who was born a man did not let go of his white male privilege uh, when he transitioned over. And that's wow. just showing up in some really fucked up ways. So how I see it is black LGBTQ been fighting for visibility and survival. And then there's the white side of the equation. Now, if there was a push from the white community uh, to be more visible when it came to uh, LGBTQ, of course there would be those of us who want to side with that because that's momentum that helps them out. They've experienced closeting and discrimination from us. You know what I'm saying? And so they like, yo, if they fight for these, if, if they're going to generate the momentum so that I can get married, then I'm going to side with them on that, right? And so uh, I see two different pushes because the one from the brothers and sisters who are uh, from the black community says they're pushing for survival, visibility, and healthy life outcomes. Um, on the white side, I've, I've 
I really can't really speak to that on that. You know what I'm saying? Number one, uh, like that situation on the, 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 the white side of the LGBTQIA push uh, comes with it. Come, it, it, It's got white supremacist elements with it. And it hurts the black LGBTQ community as well. And so that's what I've seen. So uh, you, you asked something, uh, Shay, about the population control and shit like That's what niggas used to always say. It's population mm-hmm. control. But mm-hmm. well, when I got in theater, I saw that there was plenty of gay people with children. A lot of kids, you yeah. know. Yeah. I was going to ask about how them kids showed up and wasn't none of my business. But <laughs> I know that, that they do have children. Yeah. And I know that there's a situation where if you got a foster black child who's been abandoned by a crack game or some shit, would you rather have them being bounced through the system into the prison industrial complex? Mm-hmm. Would you have them in a home of two parents who same gender love them, but will provide love and guidance, you feel me? And so I would actually prefer the latter than the former. And I think that that's what we have to keep in mind, that nothing that comes from white culture is not gonna be tinted with a little bit of white supremacy. And I see that the resistance to that white supremacy shit is coming from black LGBTQ. And that's how you have a mind shift, Theo. I think that's a huge point. One third of all African-American same-sex couples are raising children. It's a real thing. The no, raising children. I just want to. I just want to note this: that this only became such a hot topic issue in the black community in hip hop culture when so, Black Lives Matter piece popped off. Then we start hearing, "Oh, I'm not a part of that Black Lives Matter thing because that was started by lesbians and they got an agenda." These are black people talking, by the way. They got an agenda, so I'm not rocking with Black Lives Matter because these three gay women want to turn the whole black community gay, and they're only fighting for for they're being used as pawns or tools mm-hmm. of the issue. That was a big thing. That was all it over the world. Yeah, and we, from a strategic position, I just would have us ask why, why was that time? What was the timing of that division? And what is with mm. that narrative? Why? During the biggest push that any of us probably can remember, probably since the 92 LA riots or rebellions, why was it necessary then to go after Black Lives Matter? And what tool did they use that they knew that black people would really engage with? The fact that they, the founders of Black Lives, which we can get into a whole discussion, which there's a difference between the Black Lives Matter movement and the Black Lives Matter organization. That's a huge difference. Yes. Huge. And huge. that's a great point. That's but a suffice it to say. I don't support the Black Lives Matter organization, and it's not because they're gay. No, I'm not saying that. I, so let me be, I'm right. sorry. What I was saying is that there was a huge pushback specifically because No, I I understood. I was just clarifying, you know, you're separating the organization from the movement. Absolutely. Because Black Lives Matter. And I believe in that movement. I'm not with the organization, but it is not because they're gay. (laughs) And I I think that you guys are hitting on something big because like we're talking about divisiveness is all a part of the bigger plan. And And I think what I'm hearing right now is that no one ever talked about there was a movement and there was an organization. So then the conversation was, there's no end goal. There's no point. What are we doing it for? It's untargeted. It's not a movement. It's a fly by night. It's a moment. You know, all those things started circulating. So where was the people to say there's actually a movement happening and there's an organization? Where was that at? Where was the black leadership that stood in and stepped in so that that was clarified? 
even more to the point of this conversation, why was homosexuality used as a divisiveness tool inside of the black community? Because they know our target. That's they right. Know our point. They know that goes back to my point. Until we tighten that up as a community, mm. until we get that tightened right to Lethal's point behind closed doors, wherever we need to get that tightened up, but we need to be very clear. Our enemy knows what our programming points are for divisiveness and homophobia is one of those that come with Christianity. So until we get mm. to have a come to Jesus moment around what our, like Theo was saying, what our transgender black gay women mean to our community and that they will be protected just like a heterosexual male, then, then the enemy will continue to exploit that. So, so, so Shay, back to your point, right? About, um, is it, is it being pushed? Right. Here's, here's an issue that, that I think we haven't talked about. And I don't think we've looked at as a, I'm not going to call us a community because we're not a community, um, as a people. Right. Hey, wait, wait, before you do that, can you state why we're not a community? Because I, I love that context, please. We're not a community because we do not have like-minded uh, political, economic, educational, et cetera, et cetera, uh, yeah. goals and agendas, right? And I've yeah. said this before right here on our podcast and people who know me, they, they've heard me say this before, right? We don't need to be monolithic in our approach, right, to liberation. But we do need to be monolithic in understanding that liberation is the end game, period. You understand what I'm saying? But here's something I think has been overlooked, right? We, and by we, I mean politicians and and, and activists, you know, that that, that this uh, cancel culture, you understand what I'm saying? Um, On one hand, we say that minor children, right? are not old enough to make certain decisions about themselves, for themselves, right? Let's talk about being able to drink alcohol. Let's talk about being able to smoke cigarettes. Let's talk about being able to drive vehicles. Let's talk about being able to uh, engage in sex. Yeah. Right? You're not old enough, mature-wise, here, because from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, your brain hasn't developed fully yet, and so forth and so on. But yet, on the other hand, you're telling parents, well, you know, when it comes to this, though, they're old enough to make those kinds of decisions. Get the fuck out of here. You're I'm not eating that. Exactly. What are you speaking of specifically, Lethal? Make Ooh. it more. What do you mean what are speaking of specifically, right? We, we've all seen, we, we, all, we all know, right? We all know that we all came of age at a, well, I don't know about the rest of them, but me and you, H, we old enough to know that at one point in time, the legal drinking age was 18. Then the legal drinking age got moved to 21, right? Because when you were 21, they said you were more mature and able to make those kinds of decisions for yourself, right? We all know of, of teenage boys, for example, uh, uh, and girls, right, who've engaged in underage sex, right? But those boys have gone off to prison, whatever the case may be, and the girl has been portrayed as the victim because she's not old enough to consent because she's out of a certain age where she can consent. So how do we on also also right? We say this right, right with little children and whatnot, not old enough to understand what they're doing with regards to engaging in sexual activity. But however, your ass is old enough to stand trial as an adult and go to adult jail. We all know this and we all see this. Yeah. Right? So as a parent, as a parent, right? 
if you're going to come to me and have these legislative actions in place that say your child isn't old enough to make these kinds of decisions for themselves because your child's brain, based off the studies we've had done, isn't mature enough and old enough, then fuck you for coming to telling me that I have to then understand and accept and allow my child to make these other decisions, right? Mm. What mm. are and okay. I think that one falls another conversation because some people say it's a decision, some people say it's not a decision. So I think that's a whole that's nother why, conversation. That's why, I want it, that's why I want the idea fully articulated, right? Yeah. Because then I think there's a separation of what we do as far as what he ends up landing on as far as these decisions. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out what these decisions are. Are we talking about these decisions with them just learning about what? LGBTQIA issues are, are we talking about whether a child goes through the transition, the sexual change itself? The, entire, the, the transition. The transition. That transition. And I think a lot of that too, the black conversation that, that I see a lot of people having, they're bringing up the Dwayne Wade situation. I see that happening in the comments. And they're saying, was that something that needed to be publicized? Or was that something that is a loving parent that couldn't just love their son at home and let him do whatever that was at home? And why did that have to be so public? And, and I that's think- what, it, That's what I'm getting at, Shay. That's what I'm getting at, Shay, right? Yeah. You can't tell me as a parent, right, that my child can't do these things. And I, as a parent, can't allow my child to do these things because you have determined that my child under my home and my care isn't intelligent enough, isn't mature enough. But then tell me as a parent that I am wrong for not allowing my child to make a decision about going through the transition of, so of, 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 of no. Oh, gosh. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge to that, Lethal. All right. The challenge to that is everything that you name is predicated upon the argument that it is a choice, i.e., drinking, smoking, blase, skippy. Those are all quote unquote life choices. Mm. There's a segment of the population and a segment of the argument that would say, this is not a choice for these people that are going through it. This is who they are. And so this is why this discussion needs to take place, because there's still a lot of confusion within all communities, not just the black community, but especially in the black community around. Is this a choice? Is it a lifestyle issue? You know, again, all of that is being pushed on our community. But if we were talking about, okay, your child couldn't take a shit, right? Because that's they're not allowed to, you know, as for me and mine, we're not gonna shit in our house. That would be a ridiculous argument to make because it's something that they have to do. So if we say that who these children are, are who they are, then them transitioning is a natural part of them trying to create alignment between what their mind and spirit says they are mm. and what their body says they are. And so that's why we have to be very clear about what we're, what we're talking about. I understand about. that, but my issue yeah, is external organizations, external entities, external elements coming in and interfering and butting in in that process. That is a conversation for me as a parent and my child, not no fucking body else. I think you guys are all making some great points. This that, is why, I'm sorry, go ahead, Joyce. I, I also think that there's that there are still times for choices uh, or times for things that aren't choices, right? Um, I mean, it, it, 
especially when it comes to physically altering your body by way of surgery. And so even if we're talking about making an alignment, right, um, there are people who live without having that alignment. And I and I don't profess to know whether or not they, uh, you know, if they are accepted at home in their current body, how that, well, you know, bodes out for them mentally. I don't know, right? But what I do know is that um, when you make surgical changes to your body, um, and you infuse changes, yeah, huh? Irreparable changes. changes, like it's definitive. So I, yeah, right. and I, and, I, and, and, and I do. I am of the opinion that there is that that uh, not to say that those things should not happen, but I'm personally, as a parent, of the opinion, and I would say, you know, I guess I, I don't. I, I'm not having that conversation in my household currently with any of my children. But I would say, if I were to be having that conversation, my push would be they need to wait until they're an adult to make irreparable changes to their body. Um, and whatever that might be. I mean that, and that's 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 my stance, right? Yeah. Um, and, and and so again, because I'm not in that space, and, and I acknowledge that I haven't had to do some of the research because I it hasn't been a need for me to do some of that research, then I don't know. And I always like to say that when I'm stating something and I haven't dug into the research, just so that my opinion is misinformed, you know, so be it. But, you know, we were having a conversation where where we were talking about, you know, is the body out of alignment or is the mind out of alignment? And mm -hmm. I think that those are valid questions uh, that haven't been able to, you know, that I don't see taking place on the forefront. Yeah. Is that is this a is this an, a misalignment with your body or is this a misalignment with your with your bot with your is this a misalignment with your head or is this a misalignment with your body right? right and and you know to one of the points that you made in a in a in a private conversation so I don't want to put all that out but in a private conversation one of the things that you that you mentioned and that had me thinking is that we leave you know it's it's our mind first right we leave with our mind um, my thought is that that there are, especially in the birthing process, that there are things that could happen in both your mind and or your body that that could be, uh, you know, altered or damaged or irregular that can produce whatever, and 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 that we don't have a way to tell whether or not the uh, the the um, misalignment took place in the in in your head or if the misalignment took place in your body. So again, I don't have that information, but I would assert that before I let you make that decision, you're going to be of what I would consider an age that you can make that decision on your own. Because if you need my permission to make that decision, then I'm not going to make it. I see. This is so much great conversation. I want to thank you guys for being so open and able to have this conversation. You know, at Seven Generations Black, we're big on a mindset moment. So I just want to go across the board and I just want to have a mindset moment. And what we ask you as viewers to just listen to different perspectives and see where that might lead you because we never know when you really have liberatory, liberatory discussion where we could go in this. So as our mindset moment shifts, the role of black LGBTQ in black liberation, what is that mindset moment? What is that shift that you offer to our audience from a seven generational lens? Um, I will start with, I'm gonna end with Saul, sorry. So <laughs> I wanna start with you, Theo. Yeah. Here's the mindset shift, uh, mindset shift that we need to understand. Number one, not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. You can't make them disappear. You can't shame them out of existence. You can't pressure them to be any different than who they are. There are, if you look at the history of gay people, especially, I mean, imagine being gay in like the year 1920 or 1820, right? There have been 
people who had every external pressure that they could possibly have to change who they are and just couldn't do it. I mean, even the fear of disappointing their God just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at it, I try to look at a spiritual lens. And that is, I got to make sure that I'm not adding to the spiritual gravity of somebody, but I'm helping lift them up. Because for whatever reason they were born into this situation, they have a walk and it is my job to remove those stumbling blocks. If we are both commonly going through the experiments put on those who inherited African flesh, black flesh, Negroid flesh, right? Then the least I could do is relate to them on the level that I could relate to them and see if there's a way that I can assist them contributing to me and me contributing to them. Because when you look at who's contributed to revolution, mm-hmm. you have to understand that not all of them were out of the closet and they still made incredible leaps and bounds for our people and experienced the same racism that you did. And you got to have compassion for that. That's what I would say. Thank you for that, Theo EJ. That's perfect. Jai Johnson. I would say um, for me, it's that, um, you know, if if you look at the LGBTQ, That's whatever good. the rest of the acronyms are. <laughs> That's good for now. <laughs> if you look at, yeah. really, if you look at, 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 you know, at anybody and have, um, you know, the idea of the cancel culture, like I would say that you really need to spend some time elevating yourself spiritually, um, just in general, right? Because, um, that 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 low frequency level um, of spirituality is is harmful to us in so many ways. But most certainly when we X out a percentage of our community um, based on um, who they are um, and or the choices that they that they make um, that are not directly harmful to us specifically. So elevate. Elevate, y'all. Elevate. Mr. Lethal. <laughs> so um once again i'm falling back on the wisdom of our elders and our ancestors um to help us get to where it is we need to be right and so in that and with that i will say this um we have no time for separation we have no time for separation um and if we do not understand that we do not have time for separation and we continue to allow ourselves to be divided along any lines, then the African proverb goes like this. Ears that do not listen to wisdom still follow the head when it gets cut off. One more time, please. Ears that do not listen to the wisdom still follow the head when it gets cut off. We don't have time for separation, family. We don't have time for separation. The enemy doesn't care. The enemy does not care. I'm going to say it again. The enemy does not care. They don't give a shit. You understand what I'm saying? They don't care. The first thing the enemy sees when they see you is your blackness, is your skin. They don't care. And so we need not care either. And we need not allow ourselves to be separated anymore. That's great. Thank you for that. Mr. H.O. Yeah, I would just, <laughs> that's funny. Um, Jice set all up like, oh, what is this dude about to? Right, everybody's like, hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was just adjusting myself, sir. Listen, you're, you're, you're good. Um, so so I, in closing, what I would, I would implore us to do as a community 
is to understand that unless we are able and until we are able to protect the weakest among us, the most vulnerable amongst us, and I don't, I'm not talking about tolerating them. I'm actually talking about embracing them by saying, listen, we got some dope ass black two-spirited cats and they can work that, you know, they can throw a heel at your ass. They can, you know, <laughs> like we have to embrace them, not just be like, okay, cause that's what we, that's where we are now. Like if they, we know, we all know that all the choir, you know, a lot of our choir folks rock like that. And, <laughs> Tolerating. Always there, bro. They've been, always been there. I'm always talking there. about tolerating. What I'm talking about is actually embracing them and then familiarizing ourselves with what our enemies already know, which is that we can kill a transgender person in the black community, will not jump up and do a damn thing because they don't care about those people either. Mm. And so until we make the least amongst us our central focus point and make sure that we can protect the most vulnerable, yeah. then we will continue to be susceptible to having our movements frack to legal's point to having our movements fragmented because we have not embraced them, We've not just merely tolerated them. And so I, as a mindset moment, I would have people research just exactly how low on the totem pole black transgender women are and the violence that they're subjected to by police, by their partners, by whoever. I just research it. And then to begin to, to, to center their cause, because it is a black cause, right? To Lethal's point, it's a black cause so that we protect this group of people. Because when they're protected, when we create a protective system that protects the weakest amongst us, we good. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed the Seven Generations Black. We're back, season two. You can tune in each and every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, where we're having liberatory discussions for our people. It's for the culture, by the culture. Make sure you go to YouTube, follow us on CTN Media. We're changing the narrative, but we're doing it with you. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. And my takeaway for everybody is, Queer liberation is black liberation. When we're clear on that, justice for black lives is justice for all. And when we're clear on that, we're going far. We can go so much further together. Remember again, you guys, queer liberation is black liberation. We're seven generations black. We appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. We'll see you here next week. Peace and love family. And remember, until next time, hustle for your seven generations black, y'all. Peace and love. Peace. Peace.